You're listening to a 95 BFM podcast. Announcements that government government finances are in a healthier state than expected have renewed calls from National and Act to implement tax cuts. Labour Finance Minister Grant Robertson said on Wednesday that books are better than expected thanks to higher taxes and lower spending on COVID-19 support. A large, large part of the reason why the government has received more income from taxes is due to revitalizations in the economy, seeing more income gained from the goods and services tax. Regardless, the opposition parties have stated that high taxes are a major contributor to New Zealand's ongoing cost of living crisis. These calls have come days after the United Kingdom has been put through economic turmoil after Prime Minister Liz Truss called for tax cuts for the rich, seeing the pound reach a record low value against the dollar. This, alongside other vectors, has caused Labour and Green to call the concept of tax cuts absurd. Today, I have spoken to Green Party finance spokesperson Julianne Genter and ex-party leader slash finance spokesperson David Seymour about their opinions on cutting back taxes. But first, I spoke to University of Canterbury economics and taxation professor Adrian Sawyer, who helped us frame the conversation about taxes and let us know more information about how our system currently works. Um, if we focus on income tax, it's clearly a progressive tax system where as income goes over certain thresholds, higher rates will apply to that income. Earlier this week, Finance Minister Grant Robertson announced that the government was in a better financial position than forecast in the 2022 budget. Why exactly was this? What was the difference from what actually happened to what was forecast? As I understand it, the major reason for the difference was a higher tax take, particularly um, with um, corporate taxation and also with GST with greater levels of um, spending. Was this a good thing for the New Zealand economy for us to be in a better space or did this just represent that the government was taking more money than they really needed as ACT and National have been arguing? Well, I guess it was a, it was a bit of a surprise to many people just how strong the tax take has been. So from one sense, that's positive. But what it does leave us in is a position to reflect upon whether it gives us scope to make any adjustments to the, um, the way we're collecting tax. How would tax cuts uh, change the system? Uh, it depends on what they are. So, I mean, it's been some people have mooted that maybe there should be an adjustment at the top end. Uh, more commonly, has been raised that there needs to be a look at the uh, thresholds when the bands of rates um, come in. And others have looked at whether we need to maybe create a tax uh, free threshold at the bottom end. We recently saw the United Kingdom call for major tax cuts and nearly implement them, which saw their economy, economy essentially collapse within a matter of days. Why did this happen? Uh, I think they, their approach was one that would be ill-advised, particularly it focused on cutting at the top end when most countries are facing fiscal pressures, regardless of whether um, there's higher taxes than expected. Uh, most countries are facing fiscal pressure and uh, topping, uh, topping tax down at the top end isn't necessarily a very wise move. Would this perhaps take place in New Zealand if we implemented tax cuts? Um, I would be personally surprised. I would much more focus on issues that would give wider benefits across the sector, which is um, looking at the tax thresholds that haven't been um, adjusted in any way for many years and engaging in a debate about whether, like many countries, we should have a tax-free threshold uh, for which no income tax would be levied up to a certain level. Is the current level of income tax and GST having a great impact on the current cost-of-living crisis? Uh, well, certainly, I guess it is in the fact that 
as prices go up, uh, people have to pay more, and that increases the amount of GST that then is levied on um, top of those items. So certainly the, a lot of the GST take, I think, is uh, partly a reflection of an increase in the cost of living. That being said, a lot of the things that the Green Party in particular have been pointing out would be that there is a risk of inflation rising and interest rates rising if tax cuts took place. How would these two things correlate? It depends. If, if people then have got more flexibility to um, spend more, then that will raise um, GST. It may also put uh, pressure on exactly where they are looking to um, spend that additional money. Some may choose to um, save it, but others may um, choose to uh, spend that on items in New Zealand or potentially spend on overseas. For a long time, the Green Party has also been been calling for a capital gains tax. Would this be a tax on top of the current systems of income and GST? Uh, If it followed uh, most countries that have a capital gains tax system, it would be a, a separate tax um, that would be levied on capital gain, depending upon how you choose to structure it. So it would and most likely be um, an additional tax. However, there's always the opportunity a government might say, we want to rebalance our uh, tax across, say, income tax, GST as a result of bringing it in, or they may focus on that this is an area that separately needs to be taxed. And just lastly, in your opinion, do you think that the amount that New Zealand currently taxes is something to be worried about, or are there other more pressing issues in our economy? Um, Well, I think it's one pressing issue because the major pressing issues we've got at the moment is inflation and increasing cost of living. So if tax can some way help to deal with not Uh, fueling inflation and helping meet the cost of living, then it's potentially one of the tools that should be looked at. Uh, I guess I would always encourage people to um, look into it and engage in debate and think about what is is going to be the better options for the country as a whole rather than necessarily what might just serve their own personal needs at the expense of possibly others. That was University of Canterbury Taxation Economics Professor Adrian Sawyer chatting about what tax cuts could mean for Aotearoa. One of the most ardently oppositional parties to the proposed tax cuts by a national act is the Green Party, who believe that a better solution to implement a capital gains tax on the earnings of the top 6% of New Zealanders. Last night, I had a chat with the Greens finance spokesperson, Julianne Genta, about why her party opposes the tax cuts and what she thinks that New Zealand could currently be doing better doing differently to better alleviate the current cost of living crisis. The tax cut proposal that Nationals put forward is targeted at those who have the most money and it will further make inequality worse in New Zealand. Um, We want a country where everybody has a fair go, where everybody has an opportunity to live a good life. And right now we have quite an unequal society where some people are really, really struggling and people who have a lot of assets, a lot of property, wealth, high incomes are doing quite well. And Nationals tax cuts are all about making life easier for those who have the most rather than helping those who have the least. In your recent press release, you have stated that tax cuts would push up inflation. How exactly do these two things correlate in more simple terms? Well, tax cuts would be inflationary, and that's why they've had to push back on them in the UK. And the Conservative Party government in the UK has just had to ditch their proposal for a top rate tax that would actually still have a higher rate than New Zealand has, that we don't have a higher marginal tax rate, which means that the more money you earn, once it's over a certain amount, you pay a little bit more on each dollar you earn, which is a way of keeping things 
fair because those who earn the most then contribute more back but they still earn more money. So it's just it's just really disingenuous, I think, for National and ACT to claim that they have economic expertise and that they're better for the economy when the policies they're proposing are objectively bad for the economy. And of course, it would inevitably mean service cuts as well. You know, last time National was in power, we saw there was a slow erosion of health and education, and even in the transport budget, like road maintenance, road safety, road policing, public transport, all of that funding went down. How could tax cuts affect those who are currently at below or just sort of around the poverty line? Well, for those who are struggling the most, who have the lowest income, you know, people who are relying on benefit, maybe because they've lost their job or because they're sick and they can't work, um, they would not benefit from the tax cuts proposed by National. Um, and for those working multiple jobs on a minimum wage, they would barely benefit as well. It would only be a difference of a few dollars a week um, for them. So uh, it, it's really not an effective way to address the high cost of living for those who are who are doing it the toughest. In all of the commentary that both National and ACT have been pushing out recently, their main highlight is the fact that Currently, the highest earners are paying roughly, correct me if I'm wrong, around 39% in tax. Is this still equitable compared to all of the other middle and lower income earners for people to be able to make a living and beyond? It's just important to note that that 39% isn't 39% of all of their income. It's only on every dollar they earn over $180,000 a year. So um, it's really not, it's not that much. It's, it's a, you know, it's, so they're paying 39 cents on the dollar if you're over 180 grand, which almost no one in New Zealand is. Like it's really only the highest income people are affected by that rate. If anything, our tax rate, our tax rates need to be more progressive. It'd be interesting to look at Australia where they have a tax free threshold where for the, you know, the lowest income people aren't paying tax you know, if it's under 18,000, I think. And then they have a higher rates uh, than than we do. Uh, over 180,000, they have 45 cents on the dollar uh, that is paid. So that's quite a bit higher. Same in the UK, it was a proposal, the tax cut was from 45 cents down to 40, I believe. Um, so, you know, most of the countries we compare ourselves to, higher income people do pay a higher rate. And it usually is progressive, so it's not that's not their effective tax rate. That's just what they pay on the additional salary they have above that level or income. And um, having a tax three threshold, tax free threshold, is something the Greens have uh, advocated for before in policy. Um, it does matter, like what the rest of the tax system looks like, because uh, the highest income people will also benefit a lot from a tax free threshold as well. So you just have to make sure that you're making it uh, more progressive. And of course, we have to deal with things like property properly, <laughs> because right now there's no capital gains tax really. Um, and there's, you know, there's nothing like a wealth tax. So uh, that's where the really the ultra wealthy people are not usually earning a salary. Their income comes from uh, wealth, which is not really taxed in the same way that people's salaries is. Are. I'd like to quickly shed a light on the sort of low to middle income earners that some, according to ACT, are currently struggling being pushed into higher income brackets. Is this a major issue in Green's view? 
I mean, I, I think the real issue is that we need more affordable housing and we need rent controls in a situation we have now where rents can rise quite, quite quickly because there is a shortfall between the supply of homes and the demand for them. And while we're working to catch up on building, um, you know, something like a cap on rents would really, really help people who are struggling. Um, and we also need to have a guaranteed minimum income, like students, people on it who are sick and who can't work do not get enough money to live off of, especially not when um, rents are so high at the moment. So, so our whole proposal is to look at the situation differently. Um, it's to say we need a more, a more equitable society is better for everyone. It's the right thing to do. And especially post COVID where um, we saw a kind of transfer of wealth because the government gave so much money to businesses and then uh, through the money printing it was doing, it inflated asset prices quite a lot. And so anyone who owned houses or property uh, basically massively increased their wealth in a way that is very unlikely to ever face any tax. And that's crazy. I mean, it's crazy that a result of government actions has resulted in private windfall gains. Um, and it makes sense for some of that to be taxed and for it to come back to um, public purpose, you know, and that public purpose is building houses, investing in our health system, um, doing all the other things we need to do so that those people who are really struggling um, aren't struggling and are able to afford the basics. What do the Greens currently propose with their remedy to the cost of living crisis? Our immediate response to the cost of living crisis is to make public transport free, to have rent controls, um, and to have a something like the cost of living payment. Um, we probably would not have extended petrol tax cuts, but we would have made public transport free <clears throat> and we would invest in more public transport so it's more available to people. Um, and uh, fix the welfare system, you know, like <laughs> um, that would make a much bigger difference to people who are really struggling um, in the short term. And then in the medium term, we want to make the tax system fair. And so we will have more to say about that. I mean, a big part of inflation right now in New Zealand is from overseas things that are difficult for government to control. But what government can control is the support that it gives to people who um who need it and we and the government should be and can be supporting people more if they don't prioritize tax cuts for the rich that was green party finance spokesperson julianne genta talking about why her party opposes tax cuts finally i spoke to ex-party leader and finance spokesperson david seymour this morning to chat about why his party supports tax cuts in new zealand uh, this year we had a record tax take again 108 billion another 10 from last year and if i look at what people are saying to me there's not enough money left at the end of the week um, we have too many expenses uh, too many prices rising but the big increase in costs that people are facing is actually they're getting pushed into higher tax brackets uh, they're seeing excise taxes go up they're seeing fuel taxes go up they're seeing more gst on things that they buy because everything's getting more expensive 
Uh, and I think giving some tax relief is part of the puzzle of getting people through this very tight cost of living squeeze. In the United Kingdom right now, recent calls for tax cuts by Prime Minister Liz Truss have seen the economy turn to turmoil with inflation and interest rates rising across the country. Why do you think that this wouldn't happen in New Zealand? Well, I think first of all you have to fully understand the UK situation. Um, it wasn't just that they promised to cut taxes. Um, the, cut, the, t- the taxes that they promised had already been signalled. Uh, what they uh, also did was promise to spend £100 billion, uh, that's about $200 billion New Zealand dollars, on winter energy costs. Uh, that was going to throw the government's budget into a massive deficit. I mean, to, to put it in perspective, um, normally they spend about $1,000 uh, or a trillion dollars. They were going to increase their government expenditure uh, by 10% for one winter energy subsidy. Uh, That would lead to a massive deficit. Uh, And by comparison, uh, the tax cuts were actually small beer. So people have confused the the two issues there in the UK budget. But one thing that is relevant to us and actually relevant to all countries is that you cannot spend more than you bring in. It's true for households. It's true for businesses. It's true for governments. And when the UK said, look, we're going to cut taxes slightly, increase expenditure massively, the global financial markets said, "Uh uh-uh, no, you don't and drag them back down a couple of pegs by sinking the pound. All of the concerns about the possibility of tax cuts do generally come down to the way that this could affect people in poverty. Do you think that it would benefit them? You know, I think we've got to stop talking in slogans and start asking what are the practical effects and relationships between people. Um, first of all, tax policies of cutting taxes uh, would leave no taxpayer worse off. It would leave all taxpayers better off by paying less tax uh, to the government overall. So that's number one. Second of all, um, we would not reduce any government expenditure uh, on health, education uh, or any frontline service. Uh, We would, however, reduce the number of public servants in Wellington from a current 61,000 back to the 47,000 that Labor inherited. And I'm not talking about teachers. I'm talking about people in the Ministry of Education who have been designing these so-called innovative learning environments which turned out to have very little evidence uh, behind them. So we would free up a couple of billion dollars by employing less people uh, in government department offices. We'd stop giving a billion and a half a year to businesses um, in various forms of subsidies. Just yesterday, Mind the Gap recently released a new study that is showing that wealth inequality is still a major issue with Pakia men on average being at around 16.7% more well-off getting more income than people who are on lower levels. Specifically, there was a 24% distance between Pacifica women and Pakia men, but the ACT Party has been calling for cutting out the Ministry for Women and the Ministry for Pacific Peoples, amongst many others. Would the ACT government still be able to support these groups that are absolutely still marginalised without these government support systems? You you seem to be be someone who's quite interested in this topic and and has read up about it. Um, Perhaps you can help by pointing out one concrete 
useful thing that the Ministry for Women or the Ministry for Pacific Affairs has done to improve the lives of women or Pacific peoples. If you go to their news and events, news from 2022, they have been pushing for new housing, pushing for people to, allowing stay-at-home mums to be better supported, allowing Pacific languages to be pushed ahead. Just here, 27th of September 2022, new fund aims to achieve home ownership dream and we know that the ACT Party does support for people to own homes. New Zealand is a place where people love having as many people as possible own homes. So these ministries do make a difference to at least some respects, but we still do know that even if you do believe that the ministries okay, aren't okay. doing you've, anything... You've had, you've, yeah. had, you've had your go, but um, I think you've answered the question. Uh, I asked if they made any difference to any person in those categories, and you said they put out press releases and they've pushed for things. In terms of actual tangible results, I'd say the only people that have benefited are the people that have had pretty easy jobs in those ministries. Uh, so should we continue to spend money um, on taxpayer-funded lobbyists, or should the government's objective be to make the housing market work with proper infrastructure funding, with proper building material regulations by opening up immigration to let more builders actually come, and with land use regulations that make it easier to build? I think if you did those things, uh, what you'd find is that actually it would become easier uh, to access housing. Why? Because it would be easier to build them. Do you think that that would address many of the issues of wealth inequality that we saw in the Mind the Gap study? Yeah, it would, because I don't believe that, for example, Polynesian women uh, are less able to earn income. Uh, what we do have is a problem with our education system. Uh, we have a problem with the lack of opportunity in our economy, and we have a problem uh, with housing affordability being far too far away from most people. If you fix those kinds of problems with a more diverse education offering, you know, I'm proud that we did charter schools run by people like Sir Michael Jones and Sita Salupe um, in the Pacific community, real leaders who took the opportunity to create new pathways of education. Um, if you allow more investment from offshore, if you get rid of stupid regulations that really just lock in incumbents by making it harder to do work, um, and, and innovate, um, and if you make it easier to build homes, uh, then people get real opportunity. Um, if you if you just constantly focus on identity politics, um, chances are the real gap will be between uh, not men and women in New Zealand, but between women in Australia and women in New Zealand. How would we manage underneath... Co X cost of living budget, assuming that there could be a, another big world-changing event like there's been a lot of over the past few years, a lot of the extra budget that Labour and the current government has been pushing for to have that spare space has been just in case there is anything else that goes on, like the Russia-Ukraine war, which has rocked the economy, like the COVID-19 pandemic that has rocked, rocked the economy. Would there still be enough essentially emergency funding in case tax cuts cut out that amount of money? Um, well, Labour, Labour had no contingency for, for COVID. I was there in Parliament when Grant Robertson came down to the House and, and put through an impressed supply bill saying, look, I need $52 billion. Will Parliament sign it off right now? So uh, I'm sorry, your, your assumption that somehow Labour are better prepared for these kinds of crises, um, that, that, that doesn't square with what actually happened. Second of all, um, I think the, the question of whether New Zealand is going to be resilient to crises is going to depend on whether we become a wealthier, more dynamic society or one that is constantly obsessed uh, with dividing the pie 
as equally as possible according to demographic statistics. And that's really the cost of divisions here. Um, you know, you're worried about how effective the um, Pacific Affairs Department's been, I would argue not. Um, we're, we're interested in will New Zealand be a first world country in 20 years' time because on the current trajectory, uh, we're second world at best. And if we don't turn that around, then a lot of these debates will become academic. That was ACT Party leader and finance spokesperson David Seymour talking about why his party believes in tax cuts. That was a 95BFM podcast. Support 95BFM with a B card. Go to 95BFM.com slash sign up.